Welcome guys, it's your favorite football show, the Clean Tackles Podcast. I'm your gracious host, Chike, and with the crew today, we'll be discussing both Manchester teams losing, both Merseyside teams losing, and both London teams winning. And of course, some league on talk and some news as it relates to Nigerian football. But before we kick things off, let's check in with the crew. Dodwin, how have you been? How's your weekend been? I've been good. My weekend has been good. Um... Some colleagues at work encouraged me to start um, a weight loss plan. So let's see what October has for us. <laughs> Are you sure it's not um, the injury you had in, was it December? Was that what caused you to gain some weight? Yes, I, I think that was the determining factor and all of that. But it's not comfortable to climb skill and see the end of the skill. <laughs> 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 but it's all good. I mean, at least you're working on it. So um, yeah, exactly. Let, let's go good. back to double figures. Ah, uh-uh. wait, 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 wait. Hold on. So you were on triple figures before? No for that or, comment. Or you, are, or you are currently on triple figures? <laughs> no for that uh, comment. <laughs> I mean, the most important thing is that you're making an effort, and um, here on this podcast, we encourage we encourage that, and we don't body shame. So yeah, it's good to see you working on yours. Uh, how about you, Shola? How's your weekend been? Uh, good evening, everyone. Uh, my weekend has been good so far. Uh, restful weekend, much needed rest. So, all good. Bio, you, how's yours been? Yeah, so, uh, nobody actually, I, I don't think anybody needed this three day weekend as much as I did. Um, so, but it's been good, it's been good so far. Um, my uncle is. Um, having an art exhibition at Freedom Park, so I was there yesterday. It was pretty good. Played some table tennis while I was there as well. Um, <clears throat> you know, and just basically hung out with family I hadn't seen in a while. Um, yeah, today has just been pretty relaxed, having lifted a finger, you know. So, yeah, just gradually winding down the weekend. But overall, pretty decent. And if you guys, if anybody listens to this in the mo- on Monday morning and is able to pop down to Freedom Park, you know, if you're interested in seeing some art, you can just go there. Like you said, if you're interested, you can go down to Freedom Park to check that out. All right, we'll jump right into, in, into what we have for this week. Of course, the place to start is the Tottenham Stadium. Spurs to Liverpool 1. Toro, what's the ball? A late own goal by Joel Matip uh, won it for Spurs. A very, very late own goal. This is just the second win for Spurs against Liverpool in 22 league games. And it snaps Liverpool's 17-game unbeaten streak. Uh, the game was overshadowed by a major VAR controversy. Um, at one man down and with the game leveled at you know 0-0, Luis Diaz had the ball at the back of the net and it was wrongly a judge to be offside. Uh, Dutton, what should the repercussion be for missed calls like this? Um, okay, so it's very tricky, right? In my own point of view, I feel like, like after seeing all the reports and reviews from yesterday, I feel like yesterday's situation could have easily been rescued. How do I mean? So the reports I came about yesterday says that, um, you know, when the ball ended up at the back of the net, the mm-hmm. lightsman carried his flag for offside, yep. right? 
now the VR checks and sees that it is on and the VR says check complete now the misunderstanding according to what I read was that the check complete meant that offside that the referee interpreted it as offside mm. so check complete offside play on do you understand now, mm. if I was the VR official and I see them playing on immediately after I said check complete that it was a goal, I probably start throwing tantrums and raising hell in the in the VR room that I said goal, goal, goal. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. But then again, they decided to let it go. Um, I think that is just incompetence and it is um, it's borderline corruption, right? Because it's not even a um, it's not a um, what do you call it? It's not a subjective decision. It's not a foul. It's not yeah, a it's a binary decision. It's yeah. a binary, it's a white or black decision. Mm. It's yeah. a zero yeah, yeah. or one decision. Do you understand? Exactly, exactly. So this is not this is not the type of error that you should, this is not even I mean primary school kids should know, okay, this is the rule, this is what happened, and it should be done and dusted. About punishment, man. Ah you see, that's where the problem comes. The problem comes is what, what what can you drop them for a few weeks? You sack them, you I feel like referring problems are never going to be away. Like it's everywhere. Mm. It's it's um I, I just feel like it's never going to go away. The the best case scenario is just to develop a system whereby um transparency is the order of the day. Say for mm-hmm. example, when the referees were talking to each other, nobody could hear them speak. Now if the adults maybe want to do rugby, where the um, communication is like broadcasted to the old stadium or whatnot, then everybody can have the same reactions like, oh, no, 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 this is what he meant. And everybody cannot make the same wrong decision, do you understand? So it's just about finding the appropriate balance. I personally think that there are bad referees in England, right? Um, a lot of them want to be the star of the show. Maybe they didn't make it as footballers, so they're trying to enjoy their day under the sun. It's especially binary decisions like this. So, um, it's coincidentally this referee has actually been dropped this season already it's the mm. same referee that had the um united wolves game yeah. where i would have had to issue um, a statement of apology about that wolves mm. so i don't if i think going to drop I, I personally don't think this one is referee's fault anyway I think oh, this is VR's fault. definitely definitely i was even yeah. going to come to that because yeah, so yeah the referee himself did it yeah it was a var and the lines yeah i think thing, this yeah. is the var's fault but then mm. again it's it's just it's mostly incompetence and if you cannot um if there's no integrity in your job done man nobody's going to take you serious at the end of the day so that that's what that's just what it is shola what about you what are your thoughts on this whole mess and uh, do you think there's a fix for it i believe there's a fix for it and i believe the fix is to be transparent and to be extremely strong i think the var official at the very minimum shouldn't be allowed to officiate any match this season. A two-week suspension, I'm afraid, is it's not going to cut it. Uh, it's it's a huge decision, and it's a huge result either way it goes. So the consequence has to be, in my opinion, commensurate to the situation that is going on. And in that regard, I would say, it's like mentioned earlier, it's not a question of miscommunication. It's mm. either incompetence or corruption. 
and is leaning towards corruption rather than incompetence. And because there's more than one person in the VAR room. Yes, there's a major VAR referee, but there's one than one person there. It's impossible for them not to raise the flag on those kind of issues and communicate appropriately. Somebody's at the losing end of it, and as such, it has to be dealt with the appropriate the appropriate force necessary. Uh, so I personally believe the solution is quite simple, a strong consequence for the head VAR official to spread the message across to every other official in the league, either on the pitch or in the VAR room, that such incidents are not going to be tolerated. So that's how I think they should go about it. It remains to be seen if they would want to meet out such a strong repercussion. I, I, I see where you're coming from, and I think I agree with that because, I mean, like you said, it's very impossible for, if you have like three people, four people, five people in the room, it's very impossible for them not to flag that kind of decision, especially when you consider that, uh, because, okay, there was an excuse given that once the play or once Liverpool or sorry, once Spurs had been allowed to kick off, um, there was no way they could bring it back, which to me makes no sense because if there's like a penalty decision and play is ongoing, the play can carry on for like, say, 30 minutes, sorry, 30 seconds, 40 seconds. Uh, and after that, the VAR official tells the referee, oh, come back and check this thing. And that's sometimes it's like a full minute after a penalty incident, for example. And then you come back and you check that decision. I say, oh, there's a referee, there's a penalty, I missed it, and you award the penalty, right? So this makes no sense that uh, after the VR officials found out that, oh, there's, there was a mistake on the pitch, they decided to, you know, just let things slide because uh, Spurs had already kicked off. It makes no sense. And like you said, there are some times where it looks like an error, but this is leaning way towards the towards corruption, even though they might say we have no reason to be corrupt. But, I mean, there's no way to excuse this. I was actually reading yesterday that, you know, once the whistle, was, once the once um, the game was resumed with, um, you know, Spurs we, we, once once play started again, there was no yeah. way to bring back the decision. So, um, once the once the assistant once the VAR right made that call that check complete, the only window for the decision to have been rectified and overturned was however many seconds went in between the VAR saying check complete and then play resuming. So, you know, once once play once play restarted, there was there was actually nothing that could have been done. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't buy that. I don't buy that excuse. I mean I, I understand that that's what's said. Mm-hmm. Those are the rules though. Those are the rules. No, 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 no. I, I I get that that I get that. Like those are the rules. I'm just saying that it's not like the the players enter the door that are shot behind them or something. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. immediately sports kicked off. The VR knew that it was offside. Exactly. And if it was a miscommunication, it just has to raise an alarm and say, No, no, exactly. no, I didn't say play on, I said goal. Just yeah, like, but then but even if it did even if it did that even if it even if it did that even if it did that, play could not have actually it couldn't the decision could not have been brought back. Once play restarted, nothing could have been done. You know, Bayo, we're on the same page. What I'm saying... Yeah, yeah. Bayo, we are talking... Bayo, we are trying to interpret the rules. And, and yeah, he's saying, saying he doesn't... We are saying he doesn't have any problem with the rules. We're just saying... 
exactly exactly the process has to change you can't say that because they've played on for two or three seconds you cannot make yeah. the right decision anymore exactly. that's what i'm saying exactly. you're 100 correct with the rules so as i was saying um earlier so uh, um one whatsapp group yesterday people mm. are of the opinion that referees are into sports better and <laughs> they have favorites and they have results that was go certain ways and that's why they make this type of high profile errors consistently I think that's a conspiracy theory I'll start looking into, especially um, now it's um, Simon Upa and Darren England. I'll watch out for both of them going forward. Yeah, um, I, I don't I don't doubt that. Um, in the NBA, there's one referee, I'm forgetting his name now, but they call him The Extender. That's his nickname amongst uh, NBA fans. And they call him that because once a series looks, let's say a big team is playing against a small team and it's like uh, 3-1, or 3-0, and the series is about to end in the playoffs, right? Uh, you know, okay, maybe it's like Lakers, a team like, sorry, let's say a team like Warriors playing against a team like Detroit, right? And you know, okay, this the Lakers are going to destroy Detroit. But you need the, that series to get extended because you need more games on TV. You get stuff like that. They bring in their particular referee. They call him the extender because they know once they bring him in, the bigger team or the team with the lead in that series has a higher chance of losing just so there might be one or two more games you get. Uh, so it's not like, it's not a theory that is unheard of. And like you said, it's something that, you know, is worth looking into. Uh, but sadly, like I said, um, this VR decision overshadowed the game itself. I felt like it was a good game, even with Liverpool at a man down and even two men down. They still gave uh, a good account of themselves. They almost got something from the game. Uh, Bio... What do you think the ceiling is for Spurs right now, considering that they are not in Europe and they've suffered an early exit from the EFL Cup? So there's like a very kind fixture for them this season. What do you think the ceiling is for them? So I think it's worth remembering that this season there's a potential for uh, Premier League, for the, there's a potential for five qualification um, yeah. places for the Premier League. And with that, you have to, with the start they've made so far this season, you have to. You have to um, believe that sports could definitely um, make European qualification. Um, so you think that Manchester City, Arsenal, and probably Liverpool, uh, based on current form, will also uh, take, will probably take three of those places. And then so you probably have uh, teams like Brighton, maybe Aston Villa and Spurs, you know, competing for those last two places. Um, you know, so it's. I, I think that definitely that has to be the, that has to be the target for them, particularly um, particular particularly with the fact that you know they've been knocked out of the Carabao Cup, they are not playing in Europe, um, so they definitely have to look at Champions League qualification. I, I believe they also have a bit of the hurricane money still to spend, so depending on how things are going, when the January transfer window opens, they could probably put some money put some money towards um, strengthening their squad, which, to be honest, which, to be fair, particularly in midfield is, you know, currently a big thing, you know. Mm. Um, so, we'll just see. Okay, um, I think moving on to Aston Villa 6, Brighton 1. This was, uh, you mentioned Brighton and Aston Villa as teams that have the potential to, you know, get one of those five spots. Watkins wants it again at the far post. Here is Ali Watkins inside the penalty box. Onto his left foot. Gets his shot away! And that's the hat trick! That's the hat trick as he runs away to celebrate in front of the whole ten. 
Watkins restores the three-goal lead and he celebrates three goals for himself. Villa lead by four goals to one on 65 minutes. And Oli Watkins will be taking the match ball home. Oli Watkins, Dutton, do you have me in your FPL team? Please, I'm, I'm not interested in, in FPL conversations anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not interested in FPL conversations anymore. So, uh, the funny thing about the game was, um, so, uh, I had a, a lot to do yesterday morning. And um, okay. when I was done, I slept off. So, I woke up and I saw 1.36 and I'm like, ooh, it's already half time. I hope these guys um, have never started. Maybe they're still in gear one and the game hasn't gotten... And I switched on my TV and I said 3-0. And I'm like, huh? From where? How? What's going on? And from then to the end of the game, I, I couldn't believe I was watching the Reds. Brighton looked um, all over the place for a team mm -hmm. that pride themselves in super organization. Right? It, it looked so... They were so um, clueless with the ball and they were so vulnerable on the break. Uh, it, it, I, I, I couldn't understand what was going on. I just felt like probably at halftime they'd given up. They had just dumbed down their tools and, and whatever. Because that's the only explanation for a performance like that. Maybe early on in the game, you know, first match of the weekend, early kickoff, certain things can just go against you. And from there, you just struggle to make it to 90 minutes. Uh, uh, I think it's just an off day for them. Definitely, that's not what they're about. We know they're a lot, a yep. lot more, be way better than what they put out there on, on Saturday. So, as far as I'm concerned, it's just a blip. In, it's just a, it's an odd result. It's not, it doesn't define them or anything. They'll probably get their future rights going forward. I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah, uh, just to touch on the FPL bit, the one player that had... Oli Watkins in his FPL team is um, actually the Brighton goalkeeper, Jason Steele. He had Oli Watkins in his FPL. So, I mean, I'm not saying there's a conspiracy theory here. I'm just stating that. Shola, what did Brighton do wrong? Uh, Dutton just said that um, this might just be like a bad day in the office. Obviously, this is not the Brighton that we know. But what exactly went wrong? Uh, and, and there's plenty of us here. I don't know. This question should be going to Chucky instead. You are the deserving <laughs> disciple on the podcast. So it's it's very fair that uh, I ask I ask you about what your what your leader did wrong. <laughs> uh, well, it's not unusual. We we got a pretty few bruises last season as well. So I think it's just a consequence of the way the team is set up to play. Uh, when they find teams like Aston Villa, I mean, a lot of Unai Emery's ideas are centered around creating match strategies that are very much suited to what the opponent does. And because Brighton play in a very distinct manner, it's not very difficult to analyze what they do. It's not very easy to find solutions, but Aston Villa found those solutions. They organized themselves. They didn't press the ball as most teams would try to press against Brighton. And that meant Brighton couldn't really find the gaps that they usually do in the build-up phase. Uh... 
this is overly simplistic, but more or less the Brighton template is to circulate the ball on the first line, attract opposition pressure, and then play vertically and try to exploit the spaces that are created. And Aston Villa played in a manner where they didn't really press on the first line. So those spaces were not readily there for Brighton to play in. And was new territory for the players. And maybe this is one of the disadvantages of the modern footballer. Uh, there's not as much individual capacity to improvise as probably there would have been maybe 15, 20 years ago. Everything is so structured, it's so schematic, it's so much based on the game idea of the manager. And when it's not easy to translate that onto the pitch, too many players tend to struggle. And I think the game yesterday was just an epitome of that. Yet, things are not going according to script, but there were not enough players that could improvise in a way to still produce an optimal performance. And basically, the whole team, the whole team crashed. Uh, Mentally, you could see the body language from the guys. It, 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 they probably wanted the game to finish probably at the 60th minute. They were done and dusted by halftime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was a complete disaster all around. Uh, but like Dottoa said, it's hopefully a blip and the team hopefully bouncing back by the next fixture. So, right. so I, I'm not, I'm not. Ex so, you know, I think one of the things that occurred to me is, I mean, they, they started. Brighton started with essential midfield pairing of uh, Billy Gilmore and um, some lad named Kim Shelwood, right? Who, honestly, before the JBS, they had never even heard of. Um, I wonder if the fact that they have to play midweek games as well has factored into some of the Zebis thinking, particularly with the with the uh with the oh, oh, squad you know over the season they have they haven't really had fixed that in elevens um so for example like i think last week Thomas started on the bench um they have this thing where they rotate their keepers every two games i think <laughs> with the Bruggen's error um last weekend i think he was dropped for this game where you normally have expected him to start and then you see guys like João Pedro in and out of the team, Evan Ferguson in and out of the team. Um, I don't know if that's just playing, if that's just something they're trying, they're trying to adjust to, and might be because of some some of the um, some of the issues they've experienced so far this season. All right. Um, well, Shilda talked about um, hopefully Brighton will bounce back after this. Uh, one team that we thought had bounced back and didn't bounce back is Manchester United. They lost at home to Crystal Palace. For Man United, as it does take it, it's drilled in. It's not fully clear. Shot comes in. Oh my word! It's an absolute beauty. Crystal Palace take the lead here at Old Trafford, and you may not see a better strike than that one all weekend. And it's come from the most unlikely of sources. Joachim Anderson with the finish into the top left-hand corner on the half volley. Crystal Palace fans to the right of me. This is the third straight league win for Roy Hogson at Old Trafford. Uh, it seems like we're always talking about Manchester United and their issues. But Dutton, what went wrong on Saturday, considering that they had just beat the same Palace in the EFL Cup, different squads, 
I know, but still, what went wrong? Um, so I like to believe that everybody thinks um, when you play someone and you, you have a comfortable result over the person, right? You just assume that when you get onto the pitch in the next three, four days, you have like an easy record, uh -huh. right? People really put into consideration that that team has gone back to the drawing board and they've looked to plug the gaps that they feel that, that were exposed last time out, right? Uh -huh. um, I didn't think United played bad. I just felt like United were mostly disjointed from the midfield up front, right? And whenever they tried to do something, it was slow. So Palace had enough time to um, reshuffle and get players behind the ball. Now, we know that for a very long time, maybe four five years, United had difficulties breaking the blocks and whatnot. So it's just um, more of the same from the past. I, I don't think the performance was bad. I think the players kept on trying up until the final. So I just felt like it, from the goalkeeper to the defence, the ball was moving. It was going good from... The defense with midfield, same thing, but getting into the final third and actually being dangerous in the final phase was where United were lacking. Um, against um, Palace in midweek, Palace played a mid, mid, makeshift midfield. They also had um, a makeshift centre-back pairing. So I don't think the Carabao Cup fixture painted uh, like a, a true image of where both sides were at the moment. It just showed that United has a stronger bench than, than Palace. Well, um, remember we spoke about this thing like two, three weeks ago. Um, as much as Eric Tenag is trying to find a way to, I don't know, get the best out of this team, time is not going to be for him. Um, it's only a matter of time before his job actually is on the line. All right, so again, all the best to him. My job is very safe. <laughs> well, uh, listeners, if you want to hear more of our thoughts on Manchester United, just listen to... You know our pod from two weeks ago or the week before that or the week before that or you know the week before that just keep going it's still or next week <laughs> or next week uh so you're not going to dwell on that um in spain real Madrid three girona nil uh goals from jose lu chuameni and of course jimbenyam i think that was his eighth goal in or seventh goal in eight games uh but this was girona's first loss of the season they are third on the table, 18 goals scored, only outscored by Barcelona in La Liga. Um, Bayo, can you shed some light on their fine start to the season? Yeah, um, so, I mean, Girona have been, you know, I think they've, they've been, uh, they've pretty much come to everyone's awareness um, this season, or rather they've come to prominence this season with the fact that, you know, prior to the Madrid game, they were, they were actually on top of, the La Liga table, you know, particularly after their two-one win over the Real midweek. Um, so yeah, it's it's actually quite it's actually quite strange because uh, Girona were promoted into they were promoted into La Liga last season, right? And you know they, they were able to finish tenth, um, you know, which is as uh, which is pretty good, <clears throat> you know, as far as you know newly promoted teams go. And then they promptly lost. <laughs> they promptly lost their midfield linked team, Oriol Romeo, to Barcelona in, for about three point five million, which was basically peanuts, right? And they also lost um, their centre back, um, Santi Bueno, to Wolves for twelve million. And basically, what they've done, what they've been able to do this summer, is just uh, leverage um, the free leverage um, the free transfer market. They brought in David Blaine. 
Um, after his after his very short spell at Bayern Munich, um, he's taking his spot at centre back now, along with Eric Garcia from Barcelona. You know, um, who and those are those are two those are two guys who are very very good on the ball. Um, you might, I think a lot of people may call their actual defensive skills into question, uh, but they're actually they are actually excellent technical ball players from defence. Um, they've also leveraged the, the fact that they are also part of the City Football Group by bringing in um, Brazilian winger Savio uh, on loan from from Troy. He's also had uh, he's also had a, a pretty productive start to the season. I believe he's had four assists so far. You know, and so with deals like this, I believe overall they spent it, they spent about fifteen million euros. And bear in mind that this is a team who, like I said, were promoted last season from. Uh, into into La Liga, so their squad mm -hmm. is not exactly made of household names, you know. Um, they've got also got Yankuto. You and for, for for the fact that they are members of the City Football Group, you you would expect they'd be littered with loadings from Manchester City and everything, but that's not actually the case. Um, so they've got Yankuto, who also was brought into the football group. They've got Yangel Herrera, and generally they've just been a very they've just been very good. They've been easy on the eye to watch. Um, <clears throat> lots of possession, and you know, I think they, 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 they scored, um, they, they had scored 18 goals prior to the Madrid game. They had scored 18 goals during this league season, and um, and you know, that 11 players have contributed to those goals in terms of getting on the score sheet. So, um, I think it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful story in terms of what you can do with you know, not the most resources uh, available um you know bringing in loans here and there free transfers here and there um they're a pretty small club um barcelona that you know they're also in the barcelona region um smaller than espanol and barcelona and barcelona themselves so um nobody definitely you don't expect i wouldn't expect them to necessarily sustain these heights that they've reached so far in terms of making champions with football but who knows if they're able to um if they're able to keep the principles they have and withstand whatever bumps they experience along the road uh possibly an european place is is a real could be a realistic target for them all right thanks for that proper breakdown um in germany rb leipzig 2 bayern 2 leipzig were 2 nil up but kane and sunny rescued point for the visitors by Leverkusen went on top of the league after their own 3 0 win. Um, in Italy, there were wins for AC Milan, but Inter stole the show. Lautaro Martinez against Ochoa, and it's straight down to middle. The hat trick hero. What a performance! This guy's talent is off the chart. Uh, Lautaro Martinez, he didn't start the game, I think he was rested presumably for the Champions League game against Benfica on was it Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, but he pulled an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer by coming off the bench and scoring four goals. Is he the best player in Italy at the moment? Um, at the moment, whew, I, I think it's there's a conversation to be had, but definitely up there with the best. I think that um, Estadis is in very, very fine form. Uh, considering the fact that he was, um, I think, run up to similar last season for the um, Golden Boot Award, you have to look at him with, um, with extra attention. You know, he's also been elevated to inter captain. I love that. So, 
it, actually saw the game. It was different type of finishes here and there. It's um, and, <laughs> and that is um, I don't want to call it a bad word. It's celebration. <laughs> <laughs> repeatedly I, I don't know so I, I think he's in very fine form I think he's doing very well a lot of people um, always have bad things to say about him mostly because of his um, Argentina appearances very but I think true. He's, he's a very very good player and Simone Izagi has managed to find the best solution to bring in um, to making him effective the two man up top thing is it's the best thing that can happen to him because he he can be the main man he can also be the foil so he the way they inter-switch, interchange, and, and all of that is always so beautiful to to watch. So I think, yeah, if it's not the best, it's definitely one of the best. Uh, it certainly is on the kind of form where he's definitely in the conversation. And interestingly, I think the form started post-World Cup, and he has been building on it gradually up until this point. I think he's on the best form of his career so far it's interesting he felt maybe some betrayal from lukaku expecting him to join that didn't happen so he has had to carry a lot of the attacking needs of the team on his shoulders and he has done it very well he's creating he's scoring he's linking up play He's doing a lot of a lot of good things. He's always been the hustling kind of striker, and things are really, really coming together for him, and also for the team as a whole. So, yeah, I definitely will put him top three in the Syria currently. Another game we'll be looking at: Wolves to Manchester City one. This is Manchester City's first loss in the league, but uh, they've now suffered back-to-back losses since Rodri got sent off. Um, I was looking at an Opta stat that said, since Rodri made his league debut for City, they've lost five of the 15 games he's missed. And in contrast, they've lost just five of the 67 games he's played in. Uh, this is a perfect segue into something I would like to call worried or not worried. Okay, so I'll just ask a, ask a question and you guys will tell me if the subject of the question should be worried or not worried. Just quick answers. Bio, Manchester City, they visit Arsenal this weekend without Rodri. Should they be worried or not worried? Not worried. Yeah, I believe um, in terms of defensive coverage, the system City play with basically four centre-back should help to provide some level of defensive security while they are able to rely on guys like Kovacic, Matheus Nunez to, you know, help retain and drive the ball forward. I, I think a, a, a manager of tech or Pep's tactical caliber will definitely find workarounds, um, you know, certainly with the players available. All right, Dotun. Well, Everton handed Luton Town their first ever win in EPL history. So that's five losses in seven games for the Toffees. Worried or not worried for them? They don't need to worry. They are going down anyways. Bayo, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, back to you. Manchester United, four league losses in seven. This is their worst start in club history. Should Eric Ten Hag be worried or not worried? Over a year in, over... Um, 400 million euros spent, um, zero tactical identity, they should definitely be worried. All right, Shola, Jose Mourinho, 
it is third season and the issues have come up the third season syndrome we all know Josie Moreno to be associated with uh, Roma they won today but they are in the bottom half of the table should they be worried or not worried not worried okay sticking with you Samuel Chukweze he has just two starts all season no goal contribution in seven games and he's averaging 32 minutes per game ahead of the AFCON should he be worried or not worried uh for a slot at AC Milan yeah worried uh for the Nigerian national team, not worried. Dotin, uh, finally, PSG were held to another draw. It's their fourth draw in the league on this season. Should they be worried or not worried? No worried. I just believe that there's no team in France that has the firepower to match them. While they might be experiencing whatever difficulties or whatnot, it's almost like at some stage they'll go on a six, seven, maybe eight match winning streak. At that point, they'll leave everybody behind. I don't think there's anybody that can stop them. So they don't have anything to be worried about. Let's talk more on League A. Um, Monaco 3, Marcel 2. Monaco, they're currently on top of the table. There was a brace by Magnus Akluch. A brace and an assist. is a 21-year-old uh, French midfielder. But let's focus more on Marseille. So it was a, a debut defeat for the new manager, General Gattuso. And prior to Gattuso joining last week, they have had five managers in five years, none of which were sacked, which is rare. Uh, but the thing is that all five of them resigned. Uh, Bayo, can you walk us through the situation at Marseille and how things have turned uh, over you know, the past few seasons for them? Um, so just to reference what Dotson said earlier in terms of there being very little most teams can do in the gone to yourself PSG even in their worst season. Um Marcy, um have had three coaches take them into the Champions League during this five year period you re- you referred to Andreas Vias Boas, Jorge San Pauli and last season Igor Tudor, right? <laughs> and mm. Um, within within 12 months, you know, certainly in the case of Vias Boas and, you know, immediately in the cases of San Paoli and Ivo Tudo, they resigned. I think some, I think a lot of this can actually, you can actually uh, trace a lot of this to, or the origins for this in uh, the financial climate in Ligon. If you remember uh, when the pandemic started and the 2019-20 season had to be had to be abandoned. Um, Liguan clubs were about to go into a deal with a Spanish uh, media organization, Media Pro, right? In a deal that was worth even, um, 830 million euros a season. Um, but given the pandemic, or rather Media Pro used the pandemic as an excuse to, um, to back out of that contractual agreement, right? um and even refused to uh renegotiate because actually most most um leagues or most clubs agreed rebates with um the, with uh you know the tv rights holders you know due to the fact that fans were not in the stadium and they couldn't they weren't going to be able to televise as many games in league one was actually league one was actually suspended you know it didn't resume that season and so there has been a hit and I think Amazon actually took up the those rights for about 250 million euros. So you can see that's about a 600 million euro drop 
right in expected revenue across across league one and so what what you found with Marseille in particular is that managers are able to work so for example Vias Boas was able to take a very solidly defensive team leverage on the creative abilities of Dimitri Paye to get them into the Champions League there was very little investment that was the season immediately after after the pandemic right um very little investment within it um he didn't he didn't particularly agree with a number of the signings they had made um and within a year he was gone um same thing with Jose Sampaoli who still um who you know who probably did his best work in the last decade <clears throat> in my opinion at least certainly since his spell at Sevilla in his first spell at Sevilla in 2016 um he, he um his team was the making of William Saliba center back uh, they had Buba Kamara, who immediately after who immediately after that season went to Aston Villa for free, right? Uh, you know, it was it was a very it was a team that was easy on the eye to walk, to watch. And then immediately after finishing second and qualifying for the Champions League, it was obvious there wasn't going to be that so much investment in the team. And he also walked. Similarly with Igoturo, he took them to he took them to the Champions League in his first season and then decided he wasn't going to continue for on this well of reasons that think that appear to be undisclosed um so i think that's just been the general theme and then recently i believe last month um the leon ultras groups were threatening the club president pablo longoria who was initially who was previously their uh sporting director and they threatened him and he actually wanted to hand in his resignation uh but that was turned down by the club owner and basically there's a case there's an investigation that has been opened now to the threat to the alleged threats that were made to him and other 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 massive directors right in terms of um in terms of <laughs> well so basically there's been an investigation that has been opened into that and um the outcome of that nobody knows and basically due to that marcelino garcia who was appointed at the beginning of the season uh, who oversaw their exit from the Champions League qualifying stage also decided to walk, given that um, the guy who appointed him also seemed like he was going to be leaving at some point in the near future. So it's just been an overall mess. I understand that um, the club owners are looking are also looking to sell. Um, mm. Yeah. So although to be fair, they've, they've actually made some they've they've, they've made some good investments recently. They signed Vitinha for thirty million euros from Braga in January. They signed the um, right back from Lons or the wing back from Lons. I can't remember his first name, but you know, Klaus, uh, you know, who's been who's been very good for them. Like I said, they and funny enough, up until last week when they lost to PSG, they were actually unbeaten in the league and in the top three, right? Um, so yeah, um, it's it's a very strange one, and possibly until some sort of the ownership issue is resolved, right? um they might have they might continue to have these topsy-turvy seasons particularly with the financial restraint you know as the league continues to recover from the loss of revenue I, I i mentioned you know at the top of the discussion all right thanks for that breakdown um shola over to you um leon they are currently the bottom of the league uh last season they finished seventh uh, Lacazette had 31 goals in all competitions after returning to the club from Arsenal. Uh, but now they've lost five games and they've drawn two. No wins yet. And they're in real danger of getting relegated. Like I said, they're at the very bottom of League 1. They lost today to Rams. Uh, 
what do you think has gone wrong for them this season? It's not very easy to put the finger on the exact issues. I've seen them maybe just once and they looked really, really bad. Uh, it was a very disjointed performance. They've played a the bit like a team that hasn't that didn't get a good preseason. Uh, why that thing is not so clear to see, but there's very little cohesion in their play. And some of their better players are not finding the kind of the kind of form that you would expect them to have. Uh, at this point, I think they have to make a big decision. Uh, a lot of their signings haven't exactly clicked the way they wanted them to. And obviously, they're having financial, huge financial issues. And it means they can't really bring in the kind of players that they would like because they don't have the money to to do so. I think three or four of the guys that they brought in this last summer were all free transfers. So more or less that's the financial situation that the club is in. How they're going to come out of it, I, I don't really see. I think they have a good enough group to not relegate, but I think they're going to have a very bad season overall. Yeah, I mean, it gets a bit tricky because you see teams that do well one season and the following season, they find it very hard to cope with that. So perfect example would be Nantes. I believe they won the League Cup two seasons ago. And last year, I think they had to they escape relegation in maybe the second to the last match there was it even on the final day. So the French League can get a bit tricky. Um, Dotun, I know you've, you're very bullish about your take on PSG not having any challenge in the league or oh, but if there is one team that you feel will be able to stop them from uh, lifting that title which team do you think it will be <clears throat> so on, on the balance of what i've seen so far mm. i think that monaco have the best chance and it's it's mostly because of the firepower <clears throat> mostly because of the firepower you have in front of goal um two weeks ago or last weekend, rather, Florian Balogun missed two penalties and they lost um, 1-0 to Nice. This time around, it got on score sheets and, um, and they, they beat like, the title content, if not, um, top four contender, not, not title contender. There's no top title mm-hmm. contender in France. A follow top four contender in Marseille. Now, they also have Wissam um, Benyanda, who is very prolific in front of them. So, from their front line, they're looking at all things being equal, you can get 30, 35 league goals if both of them are firing and they're fit and firing to the end of the season. I think that's one of the components you need to be able to compete with this PSG. So you need goals in your squad. You need to be able to score goals. Or not like somebody's off form and the team cannot score again. You need different people. Um, Minamino is also doing very well. This is, I think it's not very well. Yeah. I don't think mm. he played the last game. Um, there's also... Um, Golovin started season well as well, so okay. you, you can look left and right in the squad and say, Okay, there's a bit of quality here, there's a bit of quality there, and I want that. And that's why I just feel like if somebody can try to push PSG, then it'll probably be Monaco. Mm. 
All right. Um, you touched on Nice. Um, I just wanted to mention that Nice player Alexis Becker-Becker, he had well, an episode on Friday where he was on the verge of committing suicide. Uh, he was on top of the, I believe it's the Magnan Viaduct Bridge over there in Nice and was threatening to jump before being talked down by uh, the club psychologist as well as other emergency service officials. Um, it's been said that a breakup with his significant other triggered this mental breakdown. Um, I know around here we call it chopping breakfast and we make light of the situation as it's like a means of coping for some of us. But I just think that, you know, for people, especially those battling uh, depression, it's uh, it's tough to take, especially men, because, you know, we like to internalize our pains and suffering. So uh, we are glad that Alexis Becker-Becker uh, is safe and hopefully he makes a full mental recovery. Um, if you're out there and you need someone to talk to, especially if you're a guy, because, you know, we, like I said, we hardly talk, uh, don't be afraid to reach out to someone. You know, I mean, you can even mail us on this pod and, you know, we'll write back and do any little bit that we can. But yeah, um, having someone to talk to is very helpful. Trust me, I know that. Uh, and, you know, all the best to him. Um, on a lighter note, one league on team that we haven't spoken about so far is a team that's actually second on the table, Brest. You know, the big story, they've been the big story in league on this season, besides... You what, know, do you, what do you mean? I talk about Brest every day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was going to say they've been so good to watch this season. Dutton, what do you think about Brest? Have you been impressed by what you've seen so far? Or do you think it's a matter of time before, you know, it falls down the table? Um, I, I think <laughs> in, in the next few weeks, um, what I will find is level. That's that's just how I see it. But um, you know how um, the league is mostly about the most consistent teams. Yeah, yeah. Right? They don't look that way to me. They just mm. they just look like okay, we've started good, and let's try and ride on this way for as long as possible. Eventually, what I will find is level. Finds the angle, Kvaraskelia's cross, and Victor Osimen. The question marks about how he was feeling answered. The Napoli top goal scorer gets one sight of the Lecce net and doubles for the Partenope. All right, guys, welcome to Birdwatch, part two of the Clean Tackles podcast. On Birdwatch, we talk about our favorite birds, the Super Eagles. Super Falcons, and of course, touch on some Nigerian news. Uh, the big news this past week, as it relates to the Super Eagles, was of course Victor Osimen. Um, yes, his last two games, he finally broke his mini goal drought by scoring in back to back games. But before that, there was a huge mess where the Napoli TikTok account made fun of his penalty miss over the weekend, over this the last weekend. And there was also a video where they made some... Well, they put out a video that had uh, some little racial undertone, even though I know it's in line with their own, you know, humorous whatever on TikTok. Um, he did put out a statement this evening, pretty much ending all the whole controversy. But 
Shola, what are your thoughts on the entire situation and the huge mess that that TikTok account created? It's unfortunate, and I think we had a discussion here on him potentially taking the mega offer from Saudi Arabia. And I guess, I think I remember we were quite split on here that day. Mm. For me, these kind of things are why I was on the side of him taking the mega offer then. These clubs are institutions that don't really care too much about the players. And because if they did, I think they would have almost instantaneously put out a statement and probably, not probably, definitely should have included in the statement that whoever was responsible for both or either video has been let go by the club. That's the... Because I cannot imagine any team that would, in quotes, allow its social media team to mock its superstar player. And that's exactly who he is for them. Uh, but it boils down to the same fact of racism and how rife it's been in Italian football for the last few years and he hasn't really been effectively dealt with and I feel this is shouts racism to me and the club have also not handled it properly. He has taken it well, he's bounced back, he's back in the goals. But for me this should be the last season he will spend at the club. He should be looking for a move elsewhere by the summer even if that will be going to Saudi Arabia for big money. Do you think that's a bit extreme or do you think the statement that he put out today is should be the end of this matter? <clears throat> okay, so... Um, in as much as this is a very, very, very serious topic, right? Oh. I just feel like it's a bad joke gone wrong. Like, it's a bad joke that took, like... Um... I, I've actually gone through their TikTok page and it looks like their admin tries to be um, basically it's bad jokes. You see bad jokes everywhere and it's not just targeted at Osime, right? Um, I saw one at Lozano, I saw one at um, I think Elmas or something. Wait, basically it's um, Roadrunner memes and, and all of that. So. I just feel like if you're supposed to be um, handling social media pages of a global institution, you're supposed to be like a lot careful to make sure that you don't um, trigger any any specific set of people. Do you understand? You have to uh -huh. be careful about everything you post. Right? I saw the one on Osime that said something, something, pickpockets. And another, and yeah, even though yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's obvious that the person was trying to joke, but man, it didn't look good at all, right? So, even after they've let again, it's you know, once is a, you can say one time is a mistake, you can say um, they did not know and all of that, but going forward, as extra eyes are going to be on them, right? Um, I saw a statement saying that the social admin person had resigned 
I don't know if it was fired, I don't know if it was asked to go or whatnot. But so it's meant to say that the person was um the person resigned. Now, even if you're going to bring in a new person, you have to be conscious about the environment that you are in. Certain things you should not be saying, certain things you should not be doing, especially in public. But I, I, I actually don't think it was bad blood, right? But then again, I, I'm not them. I cannot read their minds. I cannot. Maybe it's benefit of doubt from my side. Do you understand? But uh-huh. it didn't look good. It didn't look pretty. And I mean, I'm glad it's all over. And about going to Saudi Arabia, Real Madrid need a striker. Real Madrid need a striker. That's what I'm going to say. You feel he will thrive in Madrid? I mean, Madrid has actually... Haven't they signed... Uh, what's his name? Um, Andrich, ahead of next season. I mean, he's 16 or... No, he's 17 and he's going to be 18 by the time he joins. Uh, but yeah, they need a striker. But I just feel like uh, they have one on the way. Uh, one for the future. Well, Bio, uh, the, the MPFL kicked off, uh, kicked off yesterday. What are you looking forward to the most this coming season? As, as someone who resides in in Lagos and <clears throat> not too far from the Teslin Balogun Stadium. Um, I I hope to be able to go for the first time visit to to visit or to watch an NPL game, M- NPFL game live from the stadium uh for the first time. Um unfortunately I won't be able to make it down there for the Fortin Lagos game tomorrow, but definitely at some point during the season. And you know, this one Sholak gives us a uh, it points us in the direction of where to pick up our, 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 our uh, complimentary ticket. Uh, mm. Then the sooner, the sooner that visit will be to, to watch them live. Yeah, because I was going to ask Dotun, like on a scale of one to tell, on, on a scale of one to ten, how um, angry are you that our season tickets haven't arrived yet from um, Shola? On a scale of one to ten. Shola said we should go to the gates. When we get there, just tell them that we are from Shola and we are sorted. So that's what we'll do tomorrow. Because me, I can't leave my, I can't leave, I can't leave my house. I trust Shola. I go all the way there for nothing. Guys, we are a private club. We need all the money. That's why there is no free tickets. <laughs> if people don't want them to pay my salary next month, that's why we pay. We pay. People have money. Don't worry. <laughs> we sign one of your wonder. We are not canoe pillars. We are not receiving. 500 million naira from the government every month. Is that how much you receive? Uh, it's not up to that. It's not up to that. <laughs> but but good, you but... get a lot, of, a lot of money from the government. Mm. All right. Um, me personally, I mean, I'm a Rangers fan, but I'm just really looking forward to seeing how much, how good they are this season. Uh, they're always a team that haven't won the league in, I don't know, four seasons, five seasons, and before that it was close to 30 years before they, before they did that. So looking forward to them this season and uh, what they will bring. Speaking of Nigerian teams, um, Bendel Insurance, they got knocked out of the CAF Confederations Cup by RSB Barkin. If you remember, they drew 2-2 um, here in, in Nigeria. But last week, they got they sold one of their star players, Imadi Osarakwe, to uh, a club in UAE. I can't remember the name now. Um, he's one of the hottest prospects in Nigerian football. Um, he studied, I think, petroleum engineering in Uniben. You know, this bright, pre- one of these student athletes, basically. Um, he scored 11 goals last season, including the winning goal against my Rangers in the FA Cup final. I think that was their first, their first uh, title in 43 years. So he's someone that you're looking um, up to. 
in the two-two draw, he did open the scoring for Bendel Insurance, but it was always going to be tough after selling him ahead of the second leg. Uh, but yeah, he's um, he's gone, and Bendel Insurance they're out of the Cough Confederations, Confederations Cup. Uh, but Rivers United they did advance today over a 12 Lante, uh, one nil. Sorry, two nil, right? I think it was two nil. Yeah, two nil. Um, Alex Oyawa got a brace. I think the most fascinating thing in this game that they were is that uh, they had three penalties, three different takers, and the previous two before Alex Oyawa uh, missed their kicks. Shola, what do you think, Rivers United? How far do you think they can go in this competition? Yeah, um, of the four teams that qualified for CAF tournaments, that's the Monsters, Inimba, Rivers United, and Bender. Yeah. I always felt Inimba and Rivers United had the best shot at progressing or moving forward uh, because both of them have the most, of all four teams, they have the most experience on the continent. Uh, unfortunately, Inimba couldn't scale through. Yeah, at their own higher level, Champions League level. Uh, Rivers at the Confederation Cup level. Yeah, it will be interesting to see, but they really, really, really do have a good set of players. They have one of the best goalkeepers in the country at the moment, Victor Sochima, highly sought after. And I heard they re rejected a lot of offers for him in the last window. Uh, we need them to do well because they are basically the only Nigerian representatives left at intercontinental level and for this season we are at the risk of losing one of our continental slots again so the whole league actually needs them to do well to gain as much coefficient points to ensure that we retain our first slot at continental level two in the champions league and two in the confederations cup mm. for the coming season so fingers crossed uh more hopeful and optimistic than maybe my head would want to suggest, but I guess because that's what we need, that's where my heart is, basically. Mm, yeah, I mean, good luck to Rivers United. Like you said, we need them. The whole country is relying on them for those continental slots. Uh, just the last one on MPFL clubs, uh, we just want to shout out to Robert Mizu of Bielsa United. He scored the first hat-trick of the season in that eight-goal thriller against Aqua United. 5-3 to them, and he scored three of the goals. So, yeah, first uh, MPFL hat-trick of the season, Robert Mizu. Um, on the on the national level, Morocco, they won the hosting rights for the 2025 AFCON, while Kenya, Tanzania, and Uganda won a joint bid for the 2027 edition. Um, Nigeria, I think we put in a bid for both of them, I think, with Benin Republic and both of them filled. So there's that. But I think Morocco, just looking at the, prog the progress they've made on all fronts, the men's team, of course, getting to the semifinals of the World Cup and the women's team qualifying for the FIFA Women's World Cup for the first time. Um, it just seems right, looking at all the infrastructure that they've put in, there's like a thought process behind everything they've made, all the moves they've made. Uh, Dotson, do you think um, they are like the pace setters, when, pace setters when it comes to football in Africa right now? 
Um, okay, so yes, I like to think so. I think um, for hosting rights for the next half call, I think it was um, mostly no brainer. No brainer in the sense that for the 2025 version, Morocco was a no brainer. For the 2027 version, North Nigeria was a no brainer. Right? Um, um, I like to assume that this is a safe space. I don't think it's was... very safe space. Oh, I, I don't think we can host any serious competition. Right? And it's especially if you if you look at all the things that we're dealing with in this country at the moment um i'm never sure we have the infrastructure to properly host the national scope as we speak so I've, I, was, I actually found out about the bid on the day that it was um with the winners of the hosting rights of that out. so i had a very good laugh that uh oh okay it's not a junior championship you know for junior championships you can do 5k stadiums Mm. and whatnot yeah, but if you're yeah. doing yeah senior full team it's going to be a lot more you're going to put into consideration accommodation traffic basically crowd control and all the things that we don't do well in this country do you understand so i actually had a very good laugh but i think uh morocco have put themselves in very 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 good lights in every recent time um in fact random tourists not even sports related tourists I've been going to Morocco a lot. Um, everybody wants to see Marrakesh. And there's still the mm. bubbling cities like Casablanca, Rabat, and Tangiers and all of that. So I, I think they'll do well in terms of um, hosting rights. Uh, I, I really don't know much about Uganda, Kenya, and Tanzania. I know that they're neighboring countries. I know that that's the East Africa Nations Cup. I know that they've not hosted in a very long time. And I also know that... Um, modernization uh, development all those things are rapid in that part of africa as we speak so it's a good one for that region hopefully they do well too so the rights can come back to them sometime soon mm. so that's uh, in two years time and hopefully hopefully we get to record an edition of this podcast there in morocco live in morocco that is assuming assuming the super eagles qualify which I which I you know, I believe we should, uh, but yeah, Morocco they are like the space setters right now in African football. They've invested millions, hundreds of millions into um, infrastructure and all those things, and it's good to see them reap the rewards. They seem like uh, worthy flag bearers for football in, on the continent. Anything else, guys? Uh, I think that's all we have for this week. Uh, what are you guys looking forward to the most in the Champions League and all of that? First, Sporting Lagos will mm, be live to support Sholako. That's number one. Mm. Number two, uh, PSG come to England. So I'll be looking out for that as well. Number three, Osime plays against Madrid. Might be an audition of some sort. Uh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, nice. Um, I also think that uh, I think on Thursday it's Brighton Marseille that caught my eye as well. So it's a football week. Every every day this week has good football, so I can't wait. I mean Chelsea, Chelsea and Fulham they play on Monday. So when you say good football, like sorry, never mind. never mind, never mind. <laughs> uh, but you're, what are you looking forward to the most this coming week in terms of football? <laughs> Um, so, I mean, I've, I've been intrigued by RB Leipzig's start to the season so far. I think they've mm. done pretty well. They, they gave up a two-goal lead against Bayern Munich um, mm. over the weekend. 
Uh, but I'm, I'm particularly interested. The uh, Marco Rose seems to have brought back his 4 2 2 2 formation. I'm also keen to see. So I actually haven't watched them this season. And then they play, they play, uh, they play Manchester City, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, they play Manchester City on Wednesday. So I, I, I'm looking forward. I'd like to see guys like, um, Xavi Simons on loan from PSG. Lois mm. of Lloyd, Openda from Openda. Lons, you know. Lons. Yeah. Yeah, so and Benjamin Sesco as well. Um so uh, obviously they they, are, they they lose quite regularly to City in the Champions League, some heavy defeats as well. Um but yeah, I'm just I'm just keen to see to see those players and you know, the tactical setup. Okay, Shola, how about you? Uh what are you looking forward the most to and like Dutton said, good luck to Sporting Lagos this coming PFL season. We'll be there regularly to support you guys. Uh, but besides that, what else are you looking forward to the most this coming week? The Champions League, obviously, uh, some tasty fixtures, as I've been mentioned. And maybe just to rewind a bit, I personally a bit hopeful that we actually get the rights to host the nation's cup. Uh, not because I think we are going to do an excellent job at it, but the way we think in Nigeria, we are likely to invest money to make some roads better, to make some pitches better. So I feel the money coming into the football ecosystem and into general infrastructure will be good for us. Uh, so yeah. Fingers crossed. Maybe I'm one of the few guys actually hoping. That's, that's, actually, that's actually a very good point. That's actually a very good point. That the money will go around into the system. That's that's actually yeah good. yeah. I hopefully, hopefully go around nine, eight or nine. The year we hosted the Under Seventeen World Cup. I, I remember that they played some games in Testing. They played some in Shagamo as well, and that's when they made those stadiums like proper proper. Yeah, you have a good point there. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully they do the right thing. Hopefully we get your fingers crossed on that. Yeah, but yes, Sport Lagos first MPFL league game tomorrow. Uh, nervous and excited in equal measure. And yeah, yeah. Basically, lots of game throughout the week. Uh, and generally, also just happy the MPFL is back. I think. This has probably been the quickest resumption that we've had. Yes, some frustrations with postponements, but this has been the shortest postponement I think the league has had since I've started following the Nigerian Football League. So, positive things all around. Hopefully, we have a great football league locally. And, yeah, especially Sporting Lagos. Yeah, good luck to Sporting Lagos once again. Um obviously i want rangers to win but if rangers don't win it then i think um i wouldn't mind sporting lagos winning but yeah uh we'll be there this season not just once not just twice a lot of times to support you guys uh, and um of course most of our listeners are based in lagos so i think um they are all on board on this so yes um good luck sporting lagos hope you guys have a wonderful season ahead um guys that's going to be it for this episode uh thanks for listening and please share subscribe leave a review when you can um follow us on all social media platforms to keep the conversation going and have a great week